2020 was a tumultuous year. The question we must all ask going forward is simple. What values, ethics, and behaviors from the old world are we going to preserve? And what new perspectives are we going to embrace as we build our future civilizations? This is the New World Podcast with Ariz Kaki and Akio Samji. Welcome back to the New World Podcast. I'm your host, Aris. And I'm your host, Akil. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about social media, its effects on the world, and moreover, uh, some of the pros and cons with regards to each social media platform that we've kind of witnessed come into fruition in our society. Uh, we're sort of approaching this episode from not a technical sense, but moreover, we're approaching social media in terms of how it originated from. Uh, it's essentially all the tools and the toolkit that come in the toolbox with social media, what you can do with social media, what people have done. Um, we're going to go through the timeline of the uh, emergence of some of these platforms. Yeah. And then we're going to look into the creation economy. So moreover, people like us who can create podcasts, but moreover, like your average YouTubers and people who just have made a significant amount of income or at least literally the sole income on some of these platforms. Uh, we're going to go into not just YouTube, but Vine, the ones that went extinct are going to go into <laughs> the more modern ones like TikTok. We're going to go into Twitter, the more divisive ones, and we're going to go into Facebook, the sort of issue about privacy in that sense. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to touch upon Facebook in particular because of the monopoly some of these companies have, but particularly Facebook because it's the issue of privacy, and mm -hmm. that's more related to some of the more modern rise of the more modern technology that we see, like blockchain, so it's yeah. like an increased motivator of some of the trust issues between the public mm -hmm. and these companies in particular. Uh, as mm -hmm. I mentioned, we're going to go through the creation economy, and then we're going to end off possibly with two sort of separate, I guess, trend lines for future episodes. So we're going to kind of address mental health, which is going to be something that me and Akil are going to invest our time in and researching and studying and possibly having amazing guests around mental health. These don't have to necessarily be like your average counselors, but yeah. we're looking more so into the future, like we said, the new world solutions for some of these problems. And we're not going to say a lot here, but maybe some of you can guess where we're going with this. Okay. And then the second half is going to be the potential future of decentralization within social media. So that's sort of like your blockchain area, which we're also going to be touching upon in the future episodes as yeah. well. So we just want to thank you uh, for tuning in today, and then we're going to get started. So Akil, um, do you want to talk about uh, essentially the idea of getting our audience in tune with the, the predecessor of social media, sort of the, the the era of globalization sort of the mid 90s to like the early 2000s or we saw some of these sites first start up but maybe there's like a sort of social and political geopolitical precursor to that like how do we look into that uh, yeah i guess the best way to look into that would probably be like the creation of the internet mm -hmm. and so i don't want to get into too much history but basically the internet connects us all with the term like globalization or as i said last episode i was talking about the term globalization in which people from around the world can see what's going on in a local area from wherever they are. And so they get to tap in, like I said, through Spotify, through different types of music, or even Instagram and TikTok when people post like viral videos, right? And uh, going back into globalization, we see how much how much people get connected, but also how much people get affected and how people's mindsets might change because they look at news from the US, but even though they're in, I don't know, like a Eastern country or something, even though that, that's not really related to them, they're still understanding what's going on and, and the effects kind of, of mm -hmm. what it has to their home country and how, where they're living and things like that. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially with uh, globalization, um, as Akil mentioned, social media kind of took the same, the, the note that we ended off in the last episode mm -hmm. was kind of teasing social media and how yeah. it's kind of the new 21st century uh, tool and it has its problems, mm -hmm. just as we analyze the mainstream media has its problems. Yeah. Similar problems from the mainstream media have kind of been diluted into social media. Yeah, for sure, we're yeah. take that definitely down the road. Yeah. But with the idea of globalization, I think if you look at the time period when all this started, when do you think it, when you, when you go, if you go back and you think about this from like a, a long-term sense where how far ago or how long ago do you think this started this this era of like of globalization when people began to actually care about what happened in the rest of the parts well, of the world or like were aware of it do you think it started with like free trade agreements like i, I would think so yeah, yeah because especially with all the wars and everything people were still kind of connected you know the war just ended so people yeah. were because more countries opened up as a result <laughs> of the fall of the berlin wall well, yeah so you had more countries relating to the western, the western exactly. powers you had more developing countries all of a sudden come into power like china mm -hmm. modern day china at least at, as of the end of the 80s was still not in the place that it is today yeah, yeah, it was still sure. massively um under mm -hmm. and especially countries like india but i think 
with regards to the free trade agreement, a lot of these so-called uh, countries or like you had NAFTA, the North American yeah. free trade agreement, but yeah. then you also had like the formation of the European Union, yeah. these yeah. groups of nations mm-hmm. that kind of believed in the free flow of information and trade. Mm-hmm. So more so the exchange of ideas and of physical tangible oh, products. Exactly. And that sort of culminated in this era, I think of record prosperity in the late mm-hmm. 90s. Because before 2001, arguably the, there was really no major war from the fall of the Berlin Wall to like, uh, apart yeah, from the Gulf War, but yeah. apart from that till, 2001 those pause i don't i can't recall any there, there being like any major conflict for sure, yeah. uh, involved a bunch a group of countries mm-hmm. so i think this was like a really prosperous time and i think this sort of gave rise as you said to the internet yeah, and yeah. its so-called first ever applications like you had your websites like, and so, yeah like, like things like aol in my space yeah. Right? yeah people like dialed into like the internet yeah, or whatever yeah. still and so oh, people like were developing yeah. these like communication lines mm-hmm. across geographies and some people would not even just across major geographies but like you were able to relate to someone from your city to like a different city. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of a globalizing thing because if you, like, as we mentioned previously, like you, you were communicating, but like, not to the extent where you like actually knew everything that was going no, on yeah. in the country that you mm-hmm. live in, right? So. Yeah, it was more so I think like heads, like generals in terms of like, war and everything would know what's going on. Right. Just because like, for example, like NATO mm-hmm. and whatever, they'd have to communicate, right? To go right. fight wars or do what they have to do. Yeah. But nowadays, like anyone can get news on any other country, regardless of where they are, right? right? Yeah, so, and I yeah. think, and, and I think with that, with that idea of news mm-hmm. in comparison to like the episode that we did last week, yeah, with regards to the news media, um, I think it is safe to say that there's pros and cons to to the world we're living in now. I For think, sure. I think with social media, people people believed that um, apart from social media, as one feature being to communicate rapidly, it's essentially the major feature to yeah. kind of re- like interconnect or globalize the world. Exactly, it was the acceleration of the process of globalization. So mm-hmm. It wasn't just an economic one, but it was more of like a technological one. It was more of like a communicative one, mm-hmm. and I think. The communication was also accelerated, but at the same time, people began to say, "Huh, maybe we can like really news, exactly. we can build like another media companies, alternative media sources mm-hmm. on these internet." Uh, yeah. And I think now, fast forwarding all these years later, since like the late '90s to like now, basically 2020 mm-hmm. or 2021, we're now able to receive, learn, communicate, and like relay information at a faster rate than ever right, before. Right. Like more amounts of data of information are being transferred mm-hmm. from one part of the world to the next. In, in, in our days yeah, exactly. at, at a, such a fast rate mm-hmm. compared to before. And I don't think this has ever happened before. And sometimes it can come with this negative, like oh, information overload. Yeah. Like the amount of stuff we see on social media, negative or positive. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just get so many things bombarded out of us at once. Sometimes you don't know what to do with that. That could mm-hmm. rise to other problems, of course, which we'll talk about later down in the episode. Sure. But, yeah, um, that just reminds yeah. me of a funny thing. I don't know if you guys ever use Windows XP, but when you should download things, you know how it's say estimated time related, like uh, 84 years or like some random large amount. And now all of a sudden things take like only an hour, or, like even 30 minutes to download that much information, yeah. which is insane. Yeah, I think I think that yeah. goes also to like the development of broadband, mm-hmm. like yeah. 5G and like that, which yeah. is a whole different story, <laughs> different story, different kind of rabbit hole to go yeah. down. But like, Looking at social medias, like we can we can automatically understand that the initial social medias were as a development of the of more countries or more parts of the world getting access to the internet. Mm-hmm. And when you built things like the broadband, I mean okay, you built exactly. things like actually like wired internet, and eventually mm-hmm. wireless internet, yeah. more and more parts of the countries or remote parts of the world got access to some of these technologies, some of these products, and were able to kind of share in, I guess, the development of the new economy that people essentially call the information economy because you were freely exchanging ideas Mm -hmm. for the first time because it didn't cost anyone besides to buy a computer Mm -hmm. or a console or a server to Mm -hmm. go onto the internet so it's free like sharing of information yeah and i think it's pretty cool that apps like you know you have like your your as like you mentioned your myspace but you also had the arrival of something like email right Mm -hmm. i think email was arguably like the first big yeah, uh, social media ty- titan really like yeah. or like idea that people used it for mm-hmm. i think people like with regards to the, with regards to more of the world being um migrating onto these computers you had this so-called free flow of exchange but this also included within corporations and companies right organizations mm-hmm. big organizations no longer needed to rely on like one meeting every week and if exactly. you wanted to rapidly communicate some ideas you mm-hmm. were able to really create, compose, and yeah. <laughs> write a subject line and send a bunch of details regarding a meeting or something mm-hmm. to work on. And I think that sort of first accelerated the, the, the increase the productivity of people because when they send emails, you could essentially just coordinate a bunch of people onto one subject exactly. or actually having them meet somewhere tangibly. So mm-hmm. you, could, you could communicate en masse. Like you, had to, you were able to now, before, this is way before text though, yeah. but you were able to like long form communicate ideas or something 
maybe a slow rate, maybe the amount the time it took for one email to get to and someone to reply, user yeah, and exactly. server. Like it took a long time, mm -hmm. but I mean it was a ma massive application, for sure, or yeah. at least a massive leap mm -hmm. in the sort of story of the human species, exactly. species I think. Yeah. Definitely. So do you want to go to like the timelines of like uh what essentially happened after the advent of the email? Because we know the email showed up, I would say, in like the you had like sort of different versions of email like the mid-90s, mm -hmm. but then something I guess happened moving into the 21st century because sure, sure. if you think about it like some of the companies that we have today are like pretty much 10 to almost 15 years, years old, like the yeah, big ones crazy, right yeah. we're talking like facebook youtube mm -hmm. um what else we have instagram well instagram is relatively mm -hmm. new yeah. but you have like your youtube your facebook mm -hmm. and some of these twitter especially to like 10 years old yeah so like something happened in the 21st century that could be either the advent of more wireless broadband mm -hmm. and so that got more and more people onto it but i think people realized that with the internet came decentralization, which exactly. we spoke about last time. Mm -hmm. I think with with media, people, I think, looked at the internet as sort of being the answer to um, centralized areas of power, information, ideas, mm -hmm. just sharing things. Yeah. You normally went to like a centralized physical location. Mm -hmm. I think with the technology of the internet, it was kind of given to this new generation of people that inherited it. And the whole idea was, okay, how do we decentralize all these centralized That's applications right. exactly. in like a... And like no one really owned the internet at that point. Mm -hmm. Like it was kind of like a wild west of the internet. Yeah. So everything that was conventional was given this tool, and people essentially implemented the internet within all of these uh, within all of these, I guess, avenues of life. So this exactly. included communication or selling things because mm -hmm. you had the first websites before Amazon yeah. that were doing transactions. The Amazon started nineteen ninety nine, nineteen ninety seven, I believe. They started doing transactions. Mm -hmm. You could sell things now on the internet. You could meet someone up at like eBay. Yeah, for yeah, exactly. So these ideas were kind of brewing in, but mm -hmm. then. Like then you had your big ones. Like we're talking the early days of like Facebook. So like, could you walk us to like sort of the timeline or like at least what the motivation for some of these social media companies were? And maybe we can sort of paint a picture of how the world like looks like today with some of these social for media. For sure, yeah. So I guess the first one I'll start with is Facebook because that's the biggest one. Uh, I know from doing a bit of research and like watching the, a movie, I think it was a social dilemma. Social, social dilemma. Yeah, dilemma. yeah, the social dilemma. Yeah, uh, I know they talk about Facebook being a way to virtually meet your friends and Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he comes in, he wants to make it a global thing and he ends up succeeding and that's what we have to till this day and from facebook you know you can go into instagram instagram kind of took facebook but took the tapping of the phone like adding incentives for you to keep on staying on their app and then i'll get into how facebook bought instagram and kind of made it similar mm -hmm. but uh going on to that you know you have instant messaging on these platforms like on instagram on facebook on twitter now you can direct message people you can even cold message your favorite celebrities and if they reply you know <laughs> whatever happens yeah how many times have you actually done that in real life no like, maybe like start, once <laughs> yeah like i feel like when i started i was like oh shit Kyrie Irving, lebron james yeah <laughs> hey lebron yeah it was yeah. probably like a fan account or something that responded <laughs> no, no, to you right the blue check but i'm wondering if someone just staff. Yeah, but I think you're right. Like <laughs> with things with things with regards to Facebook, but I think it became more so that you know, like Zuckerberg essentially wanted to look into things like connecting yourself as a Harvard student before he dropped out. Mm -hmm. yeah. The idea was that he wanted to sort of get people within the same area, say Boston, greater Boston area, exactly. to kind of talk to each other. Yeah. And like, it could have been like used for dating because he was also a college student at the time as That's well. <laughs> so yeah, probably that could have been the motivation. I'm pretty sure it yeah. is as from what I've heard from other sources. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, like this this idea that you could make friends, virtual friends, mm -hmm. it seemed kind of like a radically radical yeah, new exactly. idea because the idea was not only are you making friends in your city, but now this became us now, as you know, you're, it's a global thing. You can yeah, yeah. connect with anyone, anywhere, which is a beautiful thing because it's it sort of uh, removes a limit of geography for some people that have never been able to see their friends mm -hmm. in such a long time. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, we had um, instant messaging. So this goes back to the email argument, which is yeah. email was sort of this long form messaging conversation, whereas with instant messaging is the arrival of SMS, yeah. especially with the development of the smartphone and eventually mm -hmm. with like, you had your Blackberry, yeah. and you had your iPhone. <laughs> BBM, yeah. 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 So Blackberry Messenger, exactly. It's mm -hmm. SMS technologies to kind of send people instead of calling them and getting them like, yo, like here's my yeah. thing. Yeah. Instant messaging kind of had us kind of glued to our screens at that mm -hmm. point. I don't yeah. think there's this argument that people think that it was Instagram and these other social media companies yeah. like had us glued to our screens. But if I remember correctly, like growing up being on like elementary school, I could always see older people that we knew texting on the no way, exactly but it wasn't like us but it was sort of like they were instant messaging each other mm -hmm. on a faster rate right, yeah because, i remember the yeah. phones that came with the sliding keyboards yeah, yeah, and everything, like and everything. everything yeah. I think those are being like tapped very quickly mm -hmm. because i think i think that's what that's what people were using those for especially the the idea that like uh people were using majority of their time like on their phones but yeah. if, you, if you think about it like the internet app was there but wasn't mm -hmm. really good and like, like, like you had your, yeah. your bootleg <laughs> and your ghetto shit on those yeah. like on those devices but in reality people used it still to call but 
SMS was like a really big thing because all of a yeah. sudden you were able to like send quick messages mm-hmm. and like quick texts and stuff and you would kind of relay back and forth extremely exactly. And as broadband got better mm-hmm. and it's continuing to get better, it probably gets like much more faster right, now to yeah. do anything you guys want to right. do. So and I think, you know, Facebook continued that email chain with like, you know, posting on people's walls and pages mm-hmm. and you can see the whole reply and, and back and forth. So mm-hmm. I think they kind of took that email aspect to put it on their social media so that people, you know, get attracted and like, yeah. oh, I can use this now yeah. instead of SMS. I think, I think it was trying yeah. to get more long form into more digestible bites. I think they exactly. wanted to keep initially, they wanted mm-hmm. to keep the long form idea yeah. because you could scroll back down and see all the records right. and all yeah. the receipts. And then they came out with Messenger. And exactly. Whatever. Over yeah. time, yeah. Mm-hmm. So with, with regards to instant messaging, we can move on to things like Instagram and Twitter, right? Yeah. I think with Twitter, the idea was that um, it, it took, I think, the idea of SMS, the idea of like messaging it to people. And then Facebook kind of posted an update and stuff because yeah. Facebook at this point was going very rapidly <laughs> with Zuckerberg leaving and dropping out uh, and kind yeah. of investing make billions and billions and millions of dollars yeah. into developing Facebook. But you had um, people like Jack Dorsey at Twitter <laughs> who essentially maybe thought that, okay, what if people want to keep like throw a tweet? Like everyone throws a thought out there. there exactly. The idea yeah. is like, how could you facilitate an area where people can throw a thought out there and then they can... <laughs> they can essentially have the idea of the algorithm yeah. kind of came into place at this point. Because mm-hmm. with Facebook, yeah, you knew your friends. Yeah. But then other than that, you really didn't initially really communicate with anyone else. Unless mm-hmm. you went out of your way to add someone. Well, like yeah. You would actually exchange Facebook information in person mm-hmm. right? or text. Like, yeah. give me your Facebook. You wouldn't really, like, have the suggested. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. I don't think as of, I'm pretty sure, like, mid-2000s, like, we're talking mm-hmm. 05, 04. I don't think you had that capacity Actually, already yet. But I think with Jack Dorsey and the advent of Twitter, you sort of had this idea that, like, people want to... Uh, throw a tweet out there mm-hmm. and it could have been politically uh, I guess motivated but the idea was that let's say the average person just wants to share like how their day is going or any thought mm-hmm. or any blurb they can just tweet it exactly the idea yeah. like the tweet or like mm-hmm. this blurb like something just they just throw out in the world and they and they can go away. Wait, I exactly. think you realize that like if I let it go in terms of the long-term long-term content mm-hmm. long-term form content people will just go rambling on, on yeah I think it'd be tough for the not just mm-hmm. the servers but just in general like will the will the attention span of the user mm-hmm. or not just the attention span how long will they will the customer be retained yeah, like that's true twitter's business model would be the longer they have you on twitter mm-hmm. and i think going going to more of the present day problems with a platform like twitter it makes sense now maybe uh we can critique that decision whether or not yeah. like the removing the idea of long form is bad because yeah. it's given a rise to a whole new problem okay. which essentially has happened at least a decade later from the formation of some of these companies for sure yeah yeah and you know even looking at twitter now they started with the whole 144 characters i think for I think only one tweet yeah. and if you tweeted another i don't think it was attached at that time like yeah. you have to go on the person's profile yeah. to see I, don't, it. I don't know how effective like the idea of like the thread was, was and then yeah. it just increased it because but, people thought that like they wanted to fit more things in place so, uh, yeah it was a thread would be useless to click so, or whatever. whatever but nowadays they have a thread which is kind of weird yeah, like you've, ex- you've extended them out per tweet but at the same time you've, you're also you're also allowing threads as That's well exactly but then yeah, as we said, it comes up with this whole different set of yeah. problems, especially yeah. with uh, regards to the idea of context, as we mm-hmm. spoke about last episode with media and how they report on certain stories. Yeah. Which is, I think the it gets into the whole part of social media that was supposed to be a substitute for centralized That's news good. and bias in media, right? Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And with, I think, with Instagram... Um, Instagram, I think, was a big leap forward because mm-hmm. yeah, with yeah. Facebook, you shared pictures and yeah. I think people commented on each other's pictures mm-hmm. and the like button was introduced yeah, on yeah. Facebook and Facebook kind of did the whole incentive structure. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it from a psychological perspective, Instagram took it d- differently because I think people, majority initially use it just to post pictures. Like, yeah. It was not really like a personal thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, wasn't it? No, it was, yeah, it was just to post pictures. And I know a lot of people told me too, their parents started using Facebook, so they didn't mm-hmm. want to go on it either. It was a generational and, change. Yeah. People. The adoption was like really quick, especially mm-hmm. with Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I think I think with um with Facebook though, the idea of the like and comment section, the, the, the sort of sections like the liking and comment, I think that was the whole play Kate, on like the, the, the dopamine hit. Exactly. Yeah. Like for people who, because who, now there were, as more and more people had act as a cost of having a smartphone and possessing mm-hmm. a smartphone went down. I think more and more people began to wonder whether or not like, uh, like more people get to invest more time into this device. And so Facebook probably thought like, okay, like we need to, we need to develop these ideas of how an apps came out and people (laughs) developed with them before they got Facebook on their apps, they were on the computers, but as smartphones became a thing, (laughs) then more and more people began to download apps on smartphones. And and the model as remember Steve Jobs did in that famous keynote of his, (laughs) with the app store, the idea was to retain you as long as possible. The psychology of apps is very impressive (laughs) considering the fact that I always go in a rabbit hole whenever I'm on YouTube exactly because the idea is or like not not now more so it's spread to like Netflix and stuff. But the, yeah. same, the same concept the idea of of taking something like binge like binge eating or binge drinking mm-hmm. that idea of 
of having or of saying to yourself that you're gonna have a bit and yeah and, and then taking more. a taste and then something hits you mm -hmm. but it's not enough but it was slightly enough to trigger some part of you that's like mammalian yeah, exactly yeah. and so you eat more and more and more and then you drink more and more and more mm -hmm. and from this context i think it was you spend more and more time on social media scrolling and i think mm -hmm. with the scrolling effect i think with regards to the social dilemma documentary, the idea of the whole replicating at the casino, like oh yeah, the slots, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that, that was mm -hmm. it's really interesting to see that those actually like people didn't didn't realize. If you haven't checked that documentary out, it's a really Dude, good documentary yeah. to kind of go into what we're doing over here. But the social dilemma was a pretty cool um, insight, scary but yeah. but kind of cool, cool yeah. insight into how some of these like social media companies initially like, the the thought of the like button, the tap, mm -hmm. kind of like a serotonin exactly. hit, almost like a modern day like psychoactive drug, uh, yeah. but that was digital. It really didn't come into your body if it's like screwed out into the brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. Same way a natural drug, but this idea like a heart or like a like, uh, yeah. and then this idea that the like told you how many likes you got, well, then you yeah, exactly. become competitive. Exactly, yeah. Because an idea with mm -hmm. the competition is. The more likes you got, then the idea of like social status was now mm -hmm. coming into the digital world. Like, okay, this, and then the number of followers, yeah. that number count and the mm -hmm. count of numbers told you how much clout you had on social media exactly. in comparison to real and life. And the idea of real life was the more friends you had, of course, the more popular you were. So the same exactly. thing translated over to mm -hmm. this digital uh, platforms, right? Yeah, and, and I think Instagram was really smart with the whole double tap to like because mm -hmm. it's so much easier than having to find that like button and pushing it. Yeah. And so it, it keeps you on that app all yeah. the time, right? Yeah. And even looking back at how Facebook bought it, they started making it similar to Facebook. They added direct messaging, they added stories. So now it's like basically you're on Facebook, but you're on Instagram actually. But this, and it's this, either this, way, Facebook yeah. makes money. Yeah, you know? the, story, yeah. the story with like facebook instagram and mm -hmm. i think i think you could group these social medias up into like certain categories that kind of relate to each other okay, yeah. like because facebook is owned by instagram mm -hmm. and then you have your instant messaging apps now which are more diverse than previously because the mm -hmm. idea was with sms it was based fully on the sin number Remember, exactly, and like yeah. your phone number then you wanted to kind of group message so mm -hmm. then you had like your blackberry messenger yeah exactly. then you had like your iMessage, mm -hmm. and then you had like windows messenger yeah, yeah. MSN, yeah. MSN. <laughs> Yeah. But the ones that survived that essentially made their way onto becoming mobile mm -hmm. apps, which became the new battlefield in the, I would say the 2010s. Yeah. I would say the 2000s was more like all your desktop applications. Mm -hmm. And then your 2010s became your mobile app because that was a yeah, mobile exactly. boom, right? That's mm -hmm. when you had those whole Silicon Valley stories of like kids dropping out school and becoming yeah. like app developers. Yeah, I think exactly. the whole app blow up happened ever mm -hmm. since we became like purely smartphone based, yeah. right? I, um, yeah, I think I think with regards to that story, like you could group them up as saying like, okay, you have the messaging apps, which <laughs> is supposed to be like a back and forth uh, like communication, hi, hello communication. Then you had your YouTube, which mm -hmm. was essentially a beast of its own oh, like exactly, video yeah. sharing platform. Mm -hmm. Then you had things like Facebook, but and then later Instagram, which bought it essentially becoming no. your own personal space on your parking spot, your real exactly. estate, your real estate on the mm -hmm. internet, basically. When someone came to your Facebook profile initially, mm -hmm. saw your picture, Cheers, you yeah. up, but all of a sudden mm -hmm. you had pictures of you on the internet. So it's a revolutionary idea of yeah, its time, yeah. right? And then you had your uh, Twitter, which is a different one, and then you had your Vine and TikTok, oh, which yeah. is kind of in the same yeah, area yeah. too. So I think you have sort of have like what four or five mm -hmm. various categories of social media. I think when people conflate like big tech or mm -hmm. social media, I think people need to realize that like the big tech part is regards to like the how they're all monopolizing mm -hmm. on some mm -hmm. information and on different yeah, companies. Yeah, exactly. But when you're trying to deal with some of these solutions or talk about some of these social medias, honestly, I think it's a uh, you have to be a bit more fair and I give it a bit more scrutiny because some of these social medias were built separately mm -hmm. like differently and they're not meant to be sort of like together I guess. together yeah. in uniform mm -hmm. they were all serving different purposes mm -hmm. like if you, if you just mentioned with twitter jack dorsey probably thought like okay he probably looked at facebook and was and like, like okay, you know what like yeah i get it but mm -hmm. what if i want to make a totally simpler product like, yeah. like not too much investment up front because the simple simple um as in a previous episode mm -hmm. we had a uh, hotep on when he spoke about the fact that like some of the most biggest companies today that you think of start off with the most smallest lines well, of code. exactly and like twitter mm -hmm. even if looking at like the design issues mm -hmm. are perfect but looking at it in terms of its functionality and, and the and the sort of program that it provides it doesn't seem to be that much of a complex product as facebook does mm -hmm. and i think the biggest projects as he said start off with the simplest lines of code yeah right facebook get craigslist mm -hmm. or some of these like sort of buying apps like uh, eBay. yeah exactly you can tell that mm -hmm. the, the design yeah. hasn't caught up yet but <laughs> yeah but it, it, as, as simple projects as they were, it was a pretty like mm -hmm. incredible feat. The fact that someone like Jack Dorsey realized that like, okay, I could learn from something. So I think that's what social media companies from the 2020s till today are. Yeah. So every time there's a new platform that comes out that gets acquired mm -hmm. by some of these companies are generally something that like, I remember reading in a book called the blue ocean strategy, which is the idea that some of these 
founders or these new like up and coming founders that studied the social media type Titan that came like a generation before them. <laughs> the idea was to see whether what what parts of society or what these social media companies that came before them weren't addressing. Uh, so I okay, think okay. I think with regards to Instagram, the initial founder could have been like, okay, um, that one's kind of like personal Facebook, but then this is like purely for photos. Like oh, there's yeah. no I think like you can edit photos and like, kind of make some mm-hmm. parts glossy and then post yeah. that and to show like purely a photo page. Mm-hmm. It'll be like a long form writing page. And then despite Facebook get acquiring them, the idea was that, okay, like I'm going to analyze what Facebook does gets right. right exactly. I'm going to keep that. What mm-hmm. Facebook gets wrong, remove that. Mm-hmm. And then what I could add my own personal. I think believe, I, mm-hmm. I believe every company is really just an iteration of that. Exactly. So that. They take a formula, they take their leading competitor in the mm-hmm. industry. They analyze them, they break them down into like what they do right, mm-hmm. what they do wrong, what we can add or we can decrease. Put that all together in, in a book called Blue Ocean Strategy, where they talk about this. They mm-hmm. give an example of like Lyft and Uber. Yeah. Like Lyft takes uh, parts of Uber that are good but, mm-hmm. as the initial idea of tipping the driver. Right, right, exactly. And it becomes an entirely different company. Mm-hmm. And of course, Instagram wasn't as big as Facebook, but they got acquired right, for it. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think some of these uh, social media platforms, like we said, address different types of problems. Mm-hmm. But it, they're getting grouped in more so now, in more and more recent times. I would mm-hmm. say the last four to five years, this idea of whether or not some of these social media companies are considered modern day like monopolies these are like conglomerates too, like we were talking about before yeah. Right? Yeah. before we get into that we can maybe mm-hmm. touch upon um youtube and twitter tiktok or youtube and tiktok or do you want to look at the uh, monopoly first uh i would say we can go to the like attention span kind of thing yeah, yeah. let me maybe talk about the monopoly then we can move on to the sort of transition translation so, uh, yeah. okay. so we'll look into the idea of like uh the facebook monopoly in yeah. particular because as you guys probably know in more recent years <laughs> facebook has come under fire for having these uh lack of ethics yeah. <laughs> with regards to privacy <laughs> issues of their customers. And so the idea was that like you had um, Facebook getting getting onto apps and sort of stealing people's data, yeah, exactly. as you've heard a lot of these companies have, which is more more so like a modern day issue that has come up is like people didn't realize it for the longest time, this idea of like your data being stolen from some of these, by some of these mm-hmm. big tech companies and being sold to I don't know, third party companies, exactly. political campaigns, whatever we saw with 2016, yeah. we saw that being a huge uh, mm-hmm. problem, but more so we don't really know exactly what's happening because some of this data now we realize is being sold to advertisers mm-hmm. based off your current view, previous okay. viewing. Exactly. History. Yeah. So that's kind of creepy in a way because it shows, it sh- gives the power to these big tech companies to see exactly what you're doing, like mm-hmm. your exact algorithm yeah. to see like what you're doing and how this all looks mm-hmm. like uh, how you are as a person because yeah. your history browsing history shows what kind of person you are oh, yeah. because if you're looking for like pans mm-hmm. all the time and you're certainly just you're certainly on the side getting like google ads, ads for pans for pan, yeah. like <laughs> facebook ads for pans it's kind of like a bit, a bit you probably will worry wonder like yeah. okay like i mean it's it's convenient for them and maybe sometimes people just for a long time didn't they, they, people that. probably thought of it but didn't put two and two together mm-hmm. and realize okay you know what maybe something else is happening over here rather yeah. than just being like a friendly algorithm uh, suggestion exactly uh, feature yeah, and i know i think facebook was really smart too because they acquired instagram and i think more recently whatsapp, WhatsApp too. yeah, yeah and, and they and paid it, like lots mm-hmm. of money for that but whatsapp is smart because it goes back to the whole instant messaging thing right mm-hmm. where you can message now anyone in the world for free instead of just people in your local area yeah. and, your I, think, area I, think, code, I right? think with facebook with regards mm-hmm. to the monopolies and now that you mentioned instant messaging when messenger facebook messenger came out oh, yeah did, did whatsapp buy facebook messenger prior to i don't think so no. i'm not sure about the whole history so, yeah that. but the fact is that Already, Facebook had Facebook mastered the short form in their own version. version when they exactly. acquired Facebook, and when they acquired WhatsApp, they now owned so much, much. of the instant messaging they, market. Mm-hmm. They got international, yeah. So, and it tells you because mm-hmm. WhatsApp essentially connected people through distance. Like, yeah, exactly. other companies like Viber, yeah, or those other companies that <laughs> kind of flopped on the side. But mm-hmm. WhatsApp did something that kind of revolutionized that. And the mm-hmm. moment I think Facebook took that over, not only did they have Facebook Messenger, they had yeah. now had WhatsApp, so they now had their more domestically Facebook base already. The people yeah. who knew the brand Facebook exactly. wanted to continue. Mm-hmm. Now you had WhatsApp, which was all of a sudden getting mass adoption so, yeah. because it was cross-platform, I think, mm-hmm. right? And so like people took, if you when Facebook bought WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger, now they had access to the, now we done allegedly, they have access to all these like, messages. Is, yeah, but, exactly. But the idea is that they now have control of WhatsApp, they have control of Instagram. Facebook Messenger, mm-hmm. they have control of Instagram, and they have mm-hmm. control of Facebook. Now Facebook, as we know, as you said, uh, the joke was that more and more boomers are getting on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the idea is, well, like there's a, almost, I think, a billion plus users on Facebook at mm-hmm. this point. And then with Instagram, you have sort of the millennial generation it's trying to yeah, get into exactly. that. They transition away from Facebook to the, the, the Instagram yeah, mm-hmm. uh, time. And I think with Facebook having their thumb on each part, which is like 
instant messaging, everyone uses instant messaging mm-hmm. at this point. With Instagram, you catch the millennials. Yeah, exactly. With Facebook, you catch the grandparents it's, and the yeah. parents mm-hmm. that are on there. Like, might not be like sharing anything, pictures or whatever, but still communicating yeah, on Facebook Messenger. Exactly. But want to see and meet their friends and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I think it's like it's very impressive and it's a pretty good thing to consider for the for the, at least post twenty twenty in terms of like uh, how to uh, what are the ethics around some some of these monopolies? Mm-hmm. I think because when we link back to the episode with Yaron, mm-hmm. um, he said. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Yaron was episode four, I believe, or three, yeah. uh, our first sort of high-profile uh, guest yes, on the yeah. show. And uh, he's an objectivist philosopher. And for him, he essentially believed that, from an objectivist perspective, that he said monopolies in terms of cornering in terms of cornering the market, as long as they're not getting essentially any, I think, government intervention, which would make it fascism, mm-hmm. uh, he believed that some of those antitrust laws that were signed in the late 19th century were pretty much bad in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, the, for those of you that don't know, the, the term monopoly is and, and why it's sort of being thrown out now uh, yeah. is it goes back to this idea, the, same, the board game basically, yeah. where the whole goal of the board game mm-hmm. of, the, of monopoly is to like be like, okay, look, I'm going to roll the dice, I'm going to get on every single, pro- like I'm going to get park, what was it? Boardwalk and park Yeah, yeah. There we go. And you get those two blue <laughs> yeah. category ones. So when someone lands on my property, you have to pay up. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> so then the idea was you bought all the properties. And then, like, as you mentioned, the, the moment someone gets on your property, you have to pay them. Yeah, mm-hmm. No more real estate, essentially, you buy up of the game. Mm-hmm. The monopoly world, yeah. but you whoever owns essentially has a monopoly yeah, of the game. Exactly. That's the whole idea. You're you're the yeah. you're the monopolizer. And I, I think the term comes back from even colonization too, because you know when Britain colonized a bunch of uh, countries, yeah, yeah, they yeah, had yeah. monopolies over them. They yeah. would and those send them. Government, yeah. So especially government monopolies was most dangerous because, like, if you look at the British Raj in India, yeah. or if you look at sort of the British civil service and the British uh, East India Company, mm-hmm. like, and and I think. But more in the modern context, at least the last sort of dealing that this pe- these people's had with uh, monopolies goes back to, I think, the, the late 19th century. We have people like Robert Barons. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that term before. No. But the idea was the initial in- industrialist that came out of the United States um, start of 1900s. Mm-hmm. So that period in prosperity was the sort of uh, culmination of a few decades of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. And you had essentially the world's first ever billionaires come mm-hmm. up. Those are your like Carnegie's. Yeah. Those are your like Vanderbilt's. Mm-hmm. Uh, people built the railways yes, yeah. and each one essentially was a monopoly in, the, in, in a global commodity. Mm-hmm. So you had like the Rockefellers Colors, in, yeah, in oil, true. like standard oil. Mm-hmm. So today all your gas companies are broken up, but they're all originated from standard oil. In fact, yeah. the Rock Rockefeller owned the majority of the world supply, mm-hmm. making him a global monopoly. And so even like with Carnegie, another like steel man or steel magnets, mm-hmm. you had your, you know, you had your railway magnets or whatever. You had all these sort of figures. That yes, were yeah, exactly. And I think, and they said like at the time, like these governments passed anti antitrust mm-hmm. laws, or to like sort of break up these monopolies because yeah. they believe that they were holding too much of a percentage of the market, mm-hmm. and therefore they would be able to manipulate the price because the more of the market you own, yeah. the harder it is for any other company to come up and compete with you. you. Exactly, and not yeah. just the competing; it's the idea that you actually set the standard. You set the barrier yeah. to entry, right? And yeah. So it's no longer the free market; it's it's the market cornered by you, exactly. Not the market, not the people benefiting off the service of the product. Mm-hmm. Sort of like okay, like. Standard oil dictates the price of oil globally, mm-hmm. not the OPEC nations, but you do. Mm-hmm. And then exactly. you sell it to other nations, you tell other nations how to price it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of we're getting into difficult territory. Some of these companies were split up and broken. Mm-hmm. And I think the critique of the idea of being opposed to monopolies is that, okay, monopolies exist. If you break them up, a lot of people who've had the, who are the critiques of breaking, who are anti breaking up, mm-hmm. like uh, Facebook or some of these newer ones, yeah. is that if you look at the example of like Standard Oil, when Standard Oil was broken up, essentially, some of the all of the new companies that came out of Standard Oil, after two generations, joined together again into like three smaller magnets. Oh wow! Okay. So the argument is that like monopolies will just sort of reincarnate into something different, but they're still going to be like cornering different parts of the market. Yeah. So essentially, you're not going to create one major one. You're still going to create like two, three different players. Minor ones. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Like you had your BP, and mm-hmm. um, uh, you had your not BP. My bad. You have like Esso in yeah. Canada, but you have like other companies too, right? You had mm-hmm. your Exxon Mobil, yeah. which were all shell. They were all formed, all formed as a result of the of government cracking down on oh, Standard yeah. Oil and breaking mm-hmm. it up. And I don't think, and I think that was sort of the critique of the time that time, mm-hmm. which was that you're not really going to accomplish anything by breaking up these monopolies. Exactly. And that was the first time in history where you had monopolies because mm-hmm. this is the first time when a few individuals uh, cornered majority of the world's supply in certain commodities, mm-hmm. right? And I think in a more modern sense, people are now today using those antitrust laws of the late 19th century mm-hmm. to apply to the laws oh, the today. Social media, and right? they essentially yeah. think mm-hmm. that they believe that some of these big tech companies, particularly like they've called out not just the social media ones, but they've called out Google, mm-hmm. they've called out Twitter, they've called out Facebook, primarily those ones yeah. for having a monopoly in some of the market with Google. It's mm-hmm. sort of the search engine yeah. algorithm. And for, YouTube too. Yeah. yeah. And then now the more so how much they control YouTube. Mm-hmm. 
and monopolizing there, which we'll get into as YouTube yeah. being a different thing. But and then with Facebook, with regards to how much information and privacy is being sold, mm-hmm. that was the whole issue of Facebook in 2016, which people believe that they were selling off people's information. Exactly. And then with Twitter, it's uh, well, more a more modern sense uh, censoring of information, mm-hmm. the free speech argument. Yeah. So I think these these are some of the debates that are I think happening now, and I think it'd be really interesting to see what happens. Um, I, as far as I've heard that. The, uh, the way these companies escape from the breakup is something called Section 230. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the main uh, clause that was passed, I believe, when the internet first came about. Oh, wow. Okay. So Section 230, I believe, I don't know if it was a Bill Clinton or George Bush, the idea was that, like, okay, uh, these these sort of platforms would not necessarily be considered, like, publishers, like, like the whole newspaper argument. Yeah. That, like, if you had a, if you had a newsstand mm-hmm. and you had this sort of newspaper, let's say, now, your job as a newsstand was to be a distributor yeah, for these newspapers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, if someone on one of these newspapers, let's say, for example, wrote a bad story or said something offensive mm-hmm. or defamation of character, for example, yeah. let's take the best thing, not the free speech, defamation of character, mm-hmm. called out some figure in the local town and said, this has happened. And then you're the newsstand. Yeah. And then you sell that paper to that same figure. And let's say that guy's like, wait, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. I'm going to shut you down. In reality, the newsstand was is protected because in reality, they're not the ones who are, they're just a platform. platform. They're just they're, messengers. They're the yeah. distributors and the messenger. And mm-hmm. the person who was, the, the publication who made that initially was responsible. Yeah. I think the same, that same idea, the newsstand idea translates to, to today's s- social media mm-hmm. platform. And so Section 230, I think, was passed as a result to protect some of these social media company platforms as being like platforms. Yeah, That's the sense. idea. They're not really the distributors of news. They're not the journalists. Mm-hmm. They're not the producers of news. Mm-hmm. And so anything that happens on their platforms are not essentially, the idea was that they're not, they're not essentially reliable. At fault, right? Yeah. At fault. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, something happened with <clears throat> with regards to that because for the longest time I think that was the case. Mm-hmm. I think with the whole 2016 election and and the mess that created, mm-hmm. I think pe- these companies were being told and pressured. I think all of a sudden by from a political sense mm-hmm. to favor one side over the other. other. Exactly. And I think they've been screwing up ever since because they've been juggling both. Mm-hmm. They, on one hand, they're trying to satisfy governments around the world. There's like there's they have issues with Australia now because yeah. they're banning free speech it's there. Mm-hmm. And then there's like issues with all these governments. And at the f- the bigger the bigger they grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of juggling this whole thing, looking at themselves like, okay, like, what do we do? So I think this is a new gamble that we have, which is um, whether or not some of these big tech companies, particularly the ones that have a monopoly on information, mm-hmm. the ones that we use every day to get our cons- consumer news and content, mm-hmm. um, how much, A, do we still classify them as a monopoly? Yeah. Which is still a question that's being debated because of Section 230. Mm-hmm. But B, um, what is the end result about that? And C, like, people might not understand, but we have to understand how we got here in that first mm-hmm. place. Yeah, and I just wanted to go back and relate that whole monopoly argument to social media's monopoly and Facebook's monopoly. Because as you said, you know, like with the Rockefeller group, there wasn't room for competition. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see that now. Facebook bought Instagram and WhatsApp and they added statuses to all of them. They added direct messaging. They basically made it all the same platform. And now you look at Twitter and in my opinion, I feel like Twitter kind of succumbed because now all of a sudden you have Twitter threads, you have direct messaging on Twitter. And because, because they saw what Facebook was doing, they knew that Facebook was retaining a lot of people mm-hmm. and they're like we have to do something to retain our people on our end right yeah. so we basically have to become like facebook the most that we can be yeah and you can see how the influence of having a monopoly is on other people yeah. because there's no room for competition there's no room for original ideas yeah. because if you fail you're out and the, the monopoly still wins yeah right? I, I think mm-hmm. i think with i think with twitter the, the best example we covered with uh the hotep episode mm-hmm. was parlor yes yeah, yeah, i don't know yeah. parlor parlor was an app developed as like sort of like a right-wing alternative to Twitter. Mm-hmm. The idea, essentially the critique of Twitter in the more modern sense is that Twitter is acting and favoring a political bias. Mm-hmm. And that is political bias. And what they're doing is they're removing certain tweets and content that's being posted on Twitter to think mm-hmm. that that so essentially is a defense of one side over the other. other exactly. Yeah. And the whole notion of Twitter was this like idea, like people, people putting blurbs out there, mm-hmm. which is bringing in the idea of free speech Each, involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if Twitter, whether or not Twitter was a plot, just a platform, that, that's the whole section. Of Twitter, exactly. Right? It's like, yeah. It's like, are they responsible for offensive? What's yeah, offensive? The whole yeah. free speech comes mm-hmm. a whole different episode in of itself. Mm-hmm. But I, I think with Twitter, you had the idea of Parler. And some people believe that Parler did something wrong with regards to having the, like, they're like, fine, you know, they've been told the whole time, just mm-hmm. rhyming people. If you feel like you're getting hurt, use the free market yeah, village. Yeah, exactly. People feel like they built their own and they got shut down because mm-hmm. of what happened on January 6th, this, if you yeah. guys don't know. And with Hotep, I believe he spoke about the fact that uh, another right-wing alternative, like Gab, is yeah, still yeah. up. But mm-hmm. Parler isn't because they didn't build their servers. They built it on Apple and Amazon. So they kind of had it coming. Yeah. But, I get the, I get both sides of the argument, but that's what I'm saying is like the fact that like the, the there were other, like these other companies these, also yeah. alternatives like Parler. Mm-hmm. But with Twitter, I think more importantly, 
uh, with regards to some of the, the the problems that we see with not from now, I think if you shift away from the monopoly, I think if you look at Twitter in of itself, I think it's more so the idea that people are now becoming more toxic on social media. That's true too. Yeah. Like <laughs> with some of these groups like Facebook and Instagram, not only do you have like your friends and everything, but you sort of have this, um, you sort of have this idea of the algorithm mm -hmm. in the social in social dilemma, which is as you said, sort of becoming a more constant thing amongst all of these okay. monopolies. Mm -hmm. Is that at the end of the day, the motivation and you have to always find the financial incentives. Yeah, the exactly. financial incentives for a lot of these uh, big tech and social media companies and platforms is the fact that they want to retain the customer, yeah, customer exactly. attention, yeah. and they want to pay the least fee, mm -hmm. right? The the fee that you pay for yeah, customer attention. Yeah, exactly. And so the idea is some of these companies feature ads. Like Facebook made so much money because they feature okay, ads yeah, exactly. catered to you. Mm -hmm. And the data is that whenever you interact with, they sell the data privately to other companies, featuring them on featuring their data, or their commercials, ads, whatever yeah. to you, the user, and so. With regards to Facebook and, and Twitter, the idea is to keep them on the platform as, as long mm -hmm. as possible. Now, it's gotten to the point, I think, when, when it comes to things like the news, as we mentioned in the previous episode, is that the, the idea of the bias, I think, has seeped into the social media space. Mm -hmm. Now it's a bit worse because your whole idea is placated to keeping you on the platform. Exactly. So the incentives of the company are to just show you what you like to hear mm -hmm. all the time, yeah. never a different opinion. Not just policy, but like... Basically, if you're a car enthusiast or if you're like an AI enthusiast, yeah. you're going to see posts related to that. Exactly. Yeah. And that could be a good thing and a bad thing because you're not exploring new ideas, which is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. At the same time, a good thing is you're being constantly updated on the newest things. So that's, yeah. it's, there's, like I said, it's not really a black and white issue. It's yeah, more yeah. of like a great area. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's essentially what Twitter did. And I think with regards to what you said earlier, which is the Twitter thread, mm -hmm. when we think back to the last episode with the media, we said one of the biggest problems with media today is that the reason why societies are becoming more bifurcated socially and divided mm -hmm. is because they're not using the word, the C word, context. Yeah. And I think social media's whole advent at the start of the 21st century was, okay, we're going to decentralize the internet. We're going to decentralize access to the information. Exactly. And everyone and anyone can communicate. And those same ideas of free speech mm -hmm. and the same ideas of debating ideas intellectually are going to stay on the internet. It's going to be like a new realm, a new yeah. town hall, yeah. a new, new sort of town square to, yeah. come, yeah. to come address your ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think more so where the idea of monopoly comes into play, which is all of a sudden these companies are not buying more and more corners of the internet right. to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so people are still wondering whether or not the, the internet 1.0 mm -hmm. still exists now, Exactly. right? And I think that's what the idea of context is because with regards to Twitter, you can tweet something and, or a thread of tweets. So mm -hmm. a thread is like a series of multiple tweets. Yeah. And the idea sometimes like the last one shows up. Oh, yeah, you have to click show this thread. And, yeah. this thread. and the mm -hmm. idea is that because the incentive structures are there, the most some of these companies, they basically the algorithm favors the most often raunchiest, yeah, <laughs> uh, triggering, uh, horrible, like cussing and like, Tweet, yeah. radical, like radical shit mm -hmm. at the beginning forefront mm -hmm. of every user. Yeah, so mm -hmm. you, if you look at the trending area. Things that are trending are generally the, the, the most ground or shattering groundbreaking yeah. thing ever. Like whether it be like a certain figures or a certain thing that just happened mm -hmm. recently, it always shows you trending. So generally we all click there exactly. to see and we get like the most radical. And in that yeah. Twitter thread, we get the worst of the worst of the Twitter yeah, yeah. all there ready for our priming. And all of a sudden we get this visceral reaction, whether yeah. we like it or not. We don't it doesn't know. even matter if it's in the middle or the end or yeah, like it whatever. All, yeah. yeah, just gather it up. They put mm -hmm. the raunchiest ones in front of you. And I think... This goes back to another thing, which is if you come across a person that you disagree with, or if you come across a new person that you haven't learned from before, mm -hmm. you, you basically look at their Twitter portfolio and you just see a tweet come up, taken out of context. context exactly. And the funniest thing is, is that because it's limited to 242, it's yeah. <laughs> the funniest shit at the end. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy saying? Hey, it's a exactly. horrible person. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, it turns out if you see, show this thread. Yeah, then you'll see what they're talking, talking about, about, right? Yeah. And, and I think, mm -hmm. and I think um, we have to, I find that very ironic, which is, or it's just, it's just I don't know if it's irony, but it's strange is that the idea of context just went out the window. No. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Twitter or more so over the idea of this short form, uh, as we've sort of moved it now, mm -hmm. transitioned, uh, as you can see, like majority of our attention spans as a generation, Gen yeah. Z has, has gotten shorter. Mm -hmm. And I think this is being pegged to multiple things, not only watching videos, but yeah. more so over the Twitterverse, because yeah. it's easy to read a tweet. Mm -hmm. I can read, okay, done. done like, exactly. I need, yeah. I need issue on an event or a mm -hmm. news story. Okay, I was going to read the news. Instagram, I might share a story. Mm -hmm. On the Twitterverse, I share a tweet. I follow some journalists. He shares a tweet. Exactly. Many journalists have biases. Mm -hmm. Am I going to go through the effort of reading every journalist tweet? No. Oh, so we yeah. go to Twitterverse. I follow because I'm in echo chamber. So mm -hmm. I'm going to get the same tweet over and over again from different people, essentially giving me confirmation yeah, bias. Exactly. I know exactly what I'm talking about. This is the end. Mm -hmm. All I'm right. No one else is right. Anyone who says otherwise is wrong. Yeah. yeah. So that's creating this sort of bifurcation in society. And mm -hmm. I think with regards to context, it's hilarious because, um. As we mentioned last week, we gave the example of interfaith groups. With social media, the incentive is to keep you on, and the incentive is to have the most raunchy shit come to the top. Exactly. Yeah. 
if you think about like an example, like I'll have to use an example to relate this to, which is like interfaith groups. Let's say, for example, you have like an imam and you have a pastor and you have a, and you have a rabbi. And the ideas when they gather up, everyone knows that there's differences, but everyone starts off with what? What they have in common. Exactly. You get to the raunchy shit at the end mm-hmm. because it's not considered raunchy at that point. It's just considered a disagreement. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's a, what is, what is that term? Agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. There's, this, there's this idea that we all agree that we disagree with each other with regards to the, with regards to what makes our individual faith groups mm-hmm. different and unique with Twitter. There is no such thing because you see a person you, you are, as we all know, you are similar to the people in, of all humans mm-hmm. and you are different, right? Yeah. We all share the same that you've heard that spiel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you don't see that on Twitter because in Twitter, you're not meeting a person face to face. You're seeing a virtual Twitter, screen yeah. avatar, yeah. whatever. And a Twitter thread, you end up seeing the raunchiest tweet mm-hmm. and then you just immediately shoot back. back yeah. The thing about Twitter is that if if the idea of social media was to have more long form conversations, the beautiful thing would have been to establish context of the conversation exactly and label you out. And so at the end, when you get to the person's thesis, essentially, yeah. you knew all the background information yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think those incentives are long out the window because as a society, mm-hmm. with regards to everything else that's gone 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 wrong, oh, essentially yeah. with iPhone with uh with more time being spent on our screens yeah. we're programmed i guess as we're conditioned at this point to be mm-hmm. short-term thinkers yeah and i think that's the biggest problem with regards to twitter and content i think with regards to twitter um you have you have this uh instant you want this instant uh rundown of everything because mm-hmm. you're busy because the world's getting faster, yeah, sure, faster exactly and i think that relates more over to the general idea of our, our all of our attention spans getting shorter mm-hmm. and i think if we relate that to the next big social media titan it would have to be youtube yeah because for the longest time, like like when you looked at video and visual, you had the advent of the film industry. Exactly. You, you, the average person couldn't, like initially in the beginning of the 20th century, you went to the film theater, the movies were shorter, mm-hmm. then they got longer. Mm-hmm. They were able to tell more complex like stories, stories with yeah. higher budgets mm-hmm. and everything else like that. You went to a movie, you sat there for a longer time because mm-hmm. you love the story. Every, humanity loves stories, like the arc story or whatever. Yeah. And then with YouTube, essentially the idea was beautiful as we all, all the social media ideas were. You wanted to decentralize access for creators yes. to create something. Exactly. And you wanted a video sharing platform. Mm-hmm. So it kind of came up in this 21st century idea of like decentralizing things and making things the barrier of entry mm-hmm. for, to do, to create anything lower and lower. Oh, exactly. And with YouTube, over time, it became a behemoth. And same thing with YouTube and Google, is that now they're being questioned whether or not they're having an update. Well, yeah. In their case, the idea is that they're sort of taking videos down, mm-hmm. demonetizing Sizing them for creators. Mm-hmm or shadow banning them, the idea, the yep. term has been floated around. Mm-hmm. And um, you have all these congressional hearings with all these CEOs sometimes, and just like a back and forth banter mm-hmm. is whether or not you're, are you censoring one channel, are you demonetizing one channel, one channel exactly. and how they're changing the recommendation system. Mm-hmm. So now the algorithm is not just neutral, it's more being fa- programmed to be favoring to one side of the other. Yeah. So mm-hmm. these are some of the arguments that are being thrown out there with regards to YouTube. But yeah, I think with short attention spans, if you think about it, like some of these initial videos, they were short, then, yeah, they're like 30 seconds to a minute seconds, long, and then, right? and yeah. over time, like people mm-hmm. began to tell bigger stories and then they again shorten and shorten and shorten. And I think that led to the whole idea of the creation economy, right? Yeah. For the first time in history, you've always had like artists mm-hmm. and like creators of something. Yeah. Playwrights, whatever. With playwrights, then came film. Oh, yeah. And then with film came the idea that like, okay, not everyone can be like a Scorsese yeah. or, like, <laughs> or like buy huge like camera equipment. Yeah, become the next Michael Bay, yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, right. and instead people were like the, the idea of the vlog came into play. So, like yeah. the idea, like somehow one dude can pick up a camera mm-hmm. and talk mm-hmm. to it and show them how like daily life, life is. for like twelve and minutes. People, yeah. people just related to it all of a sudden, mm-hmm. right? And then it goes back to the thing that we spoke about in the first episode, which is that the reason we started the podcast is because people want to relate to it. And I think yeah. more people relate to creators that look like them and mm-hmm. experience the world through their eyes as well, yeah. because there's some sort of commonality that they can mm-hmm. watch through the videos. So yeah, with regards to the creation economy, is that you essentially had the start of these online celebrities. It's like a new brand of celebrities yeah. to play, right? You had the online personalities and all of a sudden people began to rally alongside of them, mm-hmm. build communities and platforms with them. Um, yeah. And the creators essentially became their own brand. Mm-hmm. And with, as with the creation economy, there's pros and cons. I mean, obviously what me and you are doing right now is sort of like a version of this creation yeah, economy. Exactly. able to upload to some of these platforms like Spotify mm-hmm. and YouTube. Mm-hmm. And we're taking advantage of it because it gives us a pl- biggest people a platform to listen to. Exactly. But I think, with regards to the pros and cons, there's, I mean, there's plenty, like the people then become celebrities and it sort of becomes like another beta version of Hollywood, which well, yeah. is all the drama that comes with Hollywood. Right. It's like, yeah, well, this is a crazy toxic shit mm-hmm. with regards to some of these figures and, yeah. and how, um, people, uh, people, uh, it comes back to the mental health comparison issue, mm-hmm. like body image issues of some of these people. So, I mean, yeah, there's like pros and cons to everything. And 
the incentives, I think, uh, the same thing with regards to Instagram. I think the more raunchier shit, the more offensive shit some of these people say becomes forefront Mm -hmm. because especially if they're blue checkmark or verified people, Mm -hmm. it goes to the forefront, right? And I think um, because it creates communities, it also, the same echo chambers in Twitter Mm -hmm. all often come into YouTube because you have camps now with creators. Mm -hmm. So you essentially have this weird like, cult-like personality we have the charismatic creator the leader and you have all the followers Mm -hmm. doing whatever the leader says they're going to do so it's kind of like a weird cult-like yeah uh sort of entire like a personality kind of cult thing right Mm -hmm. which is like this thing is being translated into a video platform and you're kind of relating to that person and then i think with regards you're getting you you develop the creator economy which is a beautiful thing too because you also get specialized skill sets of channels like you have like woodworking channels yeah, people, yeah. and so people relate to this more so mm-hmm. i think it's like the beautiful thing about these online communities which yeah. is that it can be good and bad because if you have a special interest or a common interest with people you yeah. can meet people across geographies mm-hmm. learn from the mixed exactly. information yeah. so like i said this issue about regarding social media is pretty much a complicated one yeah, yeah. it's not really like a black and white one where you can say like okay like ban all these social media companies or break them up it's like yeah. not really hard it's not really easy thing to do mm-hmm. right? and you know that, that takes me to like vine and like tiktok even because mm-hmm. i know with vine a lot of people there were like seven second videos and so many celebrities came out of them who are now on youtube who did those short videos again and then they started doing long ones now they're famous on instagram and then even goes to tiktok now a lot of new tiktok people yeah, are I famous think as with well gen z and Rachel, mm-hmm. the closest one they can relate to probably got to be tiktok, TikTok yeah more i think the most actively used social media nowadays is tiktok mm-hmm. and i think and then people have to ask themselves a question which is people go on like youtube binges but tiktok binges are a thing right now yeah because because mm-hmm. they're short attention, they're, they're dedicated. They're dedicated for the. It's, it's sort of dedicated to people who have short attention spans. But now it's telling creators if they have to limit their creation exactly, and so it's creating this everlasting like feedback loop that mm-hmm. the creators are getting the high off the people, and the people are getting the high off the creators, yeah. Yeah. and that's replicate and replicate and replicate. And this is having an effect on our brain chemistry because the the psychology of these people is like, okay, I'm just gonna sit there and like consume like scroll, 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 scroll yeah. these short bursts of information. Mm-hmm. And with a TikTok, that's the worst for context. <laughs> like imagine if you like a 30 second TikTok of like a huge issue, someone just releases a 30 second TikTok yeah. and that's their conclusion. It's yeah, like, yeah. wait, where was your information? Where's your sources? Mm-hmm. Like this, the, this, the this, funny this, thing this, is I know people that watch TikToks and then also listen to like three hour podcasts. It's like yeah, which, is, which is yeah. which is I think the which is I think the weird dual duality of this thing mm-hmm. which is so strange because yeah. for the first time in history you would think that okay so you would think that because of the things things like instant gratification rising yeah and how people want to be more instantly gratified versus previously there was a delay mm-hmm. delay gratification yeah you would think that all the incentives mentally speaking the financial incentives social incentives would all be geared towards short term exactly but at the same time you have this modern day arising of podcasts mm-hmm. and podcasting probably grew out of like alternative media and yeah, radio yeah. like you had the people who media companies who wanted to tell the news and not let the mainstream media have all the news things, then they created their YouTube channels and Mm -hmm. they created the podcasting. And then all of a sudden podcasting became a thing where everyone wanted to be a podcaster, a podcast for uh, for technology, podcast for medicine, podcast Mm -hmm. for this, podcast for that. And so I think it goes back to the social media model, which you have these online communities, but then somehow it's like long form. So Mm -hmm. it kind of combines a multitude of worlds. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. I I would wonder like whether or not in this upcoming few years that that follow how these sort of two worlds are going to like diverge Mm -hmm. and how, how quickly, um, which one's going to grow because if it's just podcasting and favoring of long-form conversation around special communities yeah. it'll be something pretty cool because special com- these sort of unique communities that share values will be able to grow as a community yeah. whereas with social media platforms you have this community but you have short-term attention spans and short-term content mm-hmm. to consume so i think it's a weird i think it's a weird thing to exist like all oh, once i would assume yeah. that the long-term thing would have been dead by now exactly yeah i think it's just because of the whole use of youtube right like you were saying it went to vlogging like yeah, 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 I, th- I think so i think, guess people got used yeah, to I it think right? the whole yeah. binge is that people people mm-hmm. took that and then realized that they came across like a three-hour podcast and just sit there and be okay with it yeah because the conversations are interesting nowadays mm-hmm. on podcasts it depends on your personalities like yeah. i said like a rogan has like a three-hour podcast people watch millions yeah. of people yeah. watch it or listen and to it i think it's also too because now you can listen to it while doing like your daily activities mm-hmm. right versus like watching things like videos you have to stand there and listen watch it look at it look yeah what's I, going I think on, i think know? the yeah. podcast what's interesting is the fact that um you had the arrival of like streaming services mm-hmm. then you became then you get into like your spotify right. and like apple music yeah apple yeah. music and everything apple podcast mm-hmm. you get into those sort of ideas and the alternative all of a sudden then therefore became okay get up so the, i think the argument with there is get off your screen help your eyes, eyes and yeah. reduce screen mm-hmm. time be more productive okay. but will help you stream like music was <laughs> always a thing but they realized instead of listening to music listen to podcasts yeah. or audiobooks mm-hmm. and the idea is that yeah. this became a thing and so it's like really insane to think like i, I think it truly is like a 
it is a blue ocean strategy thing yeah. because every generation of iterations of technologies has yeah. its consequences mm -hmm. and those consequences in the short term are being answered by the next generation of social media exactly. and so some of this ever-ending cycle of like social media, company, <laughs> yeah. social media more venture capital more venture capital <laughs> it's pretty funny to see this actually happen and i think it goes um, to our sort of two last main ideas we want to hammer home which is um, the idea when we talk about the creation of echo chambers, more so like over these personalities, yeah. uh, social media in its entirety, I think has created, a, has sort of exasperated a more even uh, bigger beast, which is mental health. Mm -hmm. We're not saying that, I, mean, I think people need to realize mental health was always an issue. Like, it's not sure, like yeah. a new thing. Yeah. Like people have been depressed for millennia. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like, oh, like because someone didn't like my post, I'm going to be just be depressed. Mm -hmm. Like, no, people, we, we know people who are much older than us, yeah. our family members who've been depressed. And um, you used to be that, you know, you went to a bar and you drank your sorrows so, away. Yeah. <laughs> it's a stereotypical thing to do. But mm -hmm. moreover, the idea of bullying and of, and of mental health issues and of toxicity has now made its way onto social media. Yeah. Like we said, I think, I think if you look at social media, it's more of a tool. It depends on who's wielding it. Mm -hmm. Like, a, like a, you know, like a, a knife can be used to cook amazing food. It can also be used to hurt someone. Well, exactly. I think with social media, it's, as we mentioned, you can, you can have a creation, you can have a creator economy, mm -hmm. people making immense amounts of income, becoming independent, financially independent, mm -hmm. secure. You can also have people sharing horrible things on there, but you can also have people bullying there. Right. You can also yeah. have people being toxic to each other. Like there, so. There's so many pros to glo uh, globalization, but this is like one of, definitely one of the cons. Yeah, and especially yeah. the idea of like instant gratification and rapid communication, mm -hmm. which is, which is before it's like, um, with, with online communities is that you can be mobbed like entirely mm -hmm. with yeah. regards to not just one bully anymore. Now you're facing off against multiple, multiple personalities exactly. you don't even know because they're anonymous, right? Yeah, like people create another account after you block them. Right, like that, exactly. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. that's how I think that the, the, the bullying and the toxicity when it comes to social media, um, anything anyone can say anything to you at this point without saying it to your face. And I think mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing, which is before you said it to your face, you got bullied you were still be able to hash it out because you are you are you are a person you could bring it up to your teacher at school especially with young kids and it's happening to adults too but not so more bullying more like mob violence on yeah. but you get you get surges one person just gets surged on social media it's like hold on a second i didn't say that uh, mm -hmm. that goes back to context mm -hmm. right and so i think these ideas of like negative viral moments flooding your brain on the feed yeah. giving you sort of putting in this weird depressive state that the world is coming to an end especially mm -hmm. in 2020 we saw how much oh, depraved shit there was on social media mm -hmm. and then you're being fed this depravity all the goddamn time yeah you come to the conclusion at, in your head at the end of the day saying like you know what like this this is fucked like the yeah, my, exactly. my, this, this world is so stupid mm -hmm. and it's fucked up it's fucked up and like I'm like my brain is getting fucked up like yeah. that like I'm getting sort of this weird like parasitic like mind virus mm -hmm. right because you're whatever you're absorbing is, is is changing your brain chemistry and you're you're essentially reflecting your mind your mindset reflecting that mm -hmm. and we know from there everything goes like self yeah right? it, because exactly. your body reflects your brain and your mm -hmm. mental health and with people who already have mental health issues um being on social media particularly this year with regards to the, all the depravity that happened it put them in a really bad state because first of all you're already locked up in your the home, home. So you're exactly. being fed all this negative information mm -hmm. Never any positive, because like I said, sometimes the positive information really doesn't sell eyeballs, right? Yeah. And I think we have to understand that, the, that that if you ever want to figure out some of the problems with regards to some of these companies or any other big problems, it's always follow the financial incentive, follow where the money goes, right? Mm -hmm. Not saying that the financial incentives are bad. Yeah. They motivate a, a tremendous amount of innovation. Yeah, sure. But sometimes all the toxic shit that comes along with it is generally also financially yeah, motivated. Mm -hmm. So you, kind of have, you have to educate yourself in that sense, right? Mm -hmm. The financial motivations are... Keep more people on our platform. Yeah. Keep keep them on here. Watch the uh, sell ads, sell the data, whatever. You just got to keep uh, understanding why people do the things they do and follow the money. Oh, especially, exactly. Yeah, and I think with bullying and with Insta especially with platforms like Instagram, you see people posting pictures, mm -hmm. and you have the whole issue of body image it's, yeah. with regards to some of these uh, creators or some of these cel online celebrities. Yeah, and with regards celebrities, it's been happening with celebrities always, mm -hmm. which is the magazine photos and constant of comparison. Like, what is her or his body look like that or why does my Mine, body look yeah, like exactly. this and so you have an entirely different animal of mental health and bullying especially mm -hmm. on social media which i think is becoming is placating especially in 2020 which mm -hmm. is that people were stuck in their homes and now they're being bombarded with things from these recommending mm -hmm. algorithms and so they're constantly being put in a depressive state so who knows like if we come out when we come out of this crisis i think it will be something that we would have to address with regards to, I think mental health has become more and more of a bigger issue now mm -hmm. for a different reason. I don't think it's no longer just about bullying. I think it's because people spend so much time on the screens Means, now. Exactly. And now they're being fed things from these recommender algorithms mm -hmm. that, are becoming, that are learning closely more and more what this person wants to hear and wants to say, but then sometimes we'll tell them the most raunchiest things, yeah. right? And it shows you the power of like meeting people in person and learning directly from the source versus <laughs> from a screen or like and from tells, social think, media. Yeah, right? it tells yeah. you more so the power of context. Mm -hmm. I think we learned about this is like, anything online or meeting things in person you always want to start off with like when you meet a person 
you start off with something you have in common. I mean, right? exactly, no yeah. one ever goes to a person who yells at them, <laughs> unless you're like kind of the marginal case. But mm-hmm. if you think about it, like social media should be replicating real life. And mm-hmm. when you meet someone new or someone anonymous, someone you've never met before, yeah. you want to go under the assumption that this person is a human and, and a decent mm-hmm. human being. Yeah. And it's not really out to get anyone. And mm-hmm. so if I approach this conversation with the idea that like, I want to get to know this person, I'm going to start off by <clears throat> sort of, taking a more friendlier approach. And then as you get closer and closer in terms of layer of social circles, you begin to expose more of your own individuality. Yeah. Interest, right. But I think there's some things that are common and I think we're losing that as a society. Mm-hmm, and sure. I think, I don't think social media is going to go away. I think in fact, the majority of these so-called short-term TikTok platforms are here to stay. They're definitely like, going to grow. Like further, grow. Yeah. I think where the future lies is in the next last section of the podcast episode, which is the idea of the talks of internet or web 3.0. Mm-hmm. And this relates back to the whole blockchain and cryptocurrency aspect, which we're hopefully going to get into more episodes in the future. Sure, for sure, yeah. But, that I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure, definitely. And both yeah. of us definitely have financial invest- yeah. invest- <laughs> in Bitcoin. A disclaimer, this is not financial advice. <laughs> you know? not financial advice, yeah. But we, yeah. We, have, we, have, um, we definitely have dipped our toes in terms of the crypto, whether well, more so over the blockchain. So mm-hmm. hoping to kind of relay that information to you in a future episode. But sure, yeah. I think with regards to the social media argument, from mm-hmm. what I've heard uh, with startups and with... Um, tokens and coins like ethereum mm-hmm. because you can ethereum has essentially uh allowed for things like smart contracts and yeah. decentralized applications mm-hmm. to exist on and the so, blockchain yeah. on the blockchain mm-hmm. and the so and then it goes back to this arrival of decentralization yeah. to last time so maybe maybe the, maybe the future answer is that people are tired now of people telling them that things are going to become decentralized and then mm-hmm. they become centralized again yeah. so i think this is probably going to be an answer to big tech and to mm-hmm. the media companies and and to governments in general yeah, exactly which is, which is hey like you know what, centralized mechanisms and centralized forms of power are not really here to help the people and their best interests. And I think what we can do is, look, we can do things on our own now. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need you. And so yeah. I think with regards to decentralized social media, it can go, it can become, it can address problems that are ever so growing, which is the idea of exchanging ideas and information freely, right? Mm-hmm. The issues the, the issues of like free speech and what's considered free speech are arising again. And this could be an amazing opportunity for some of these decentralized applications to come in and fill the void. Exactly. And I think with... Uh, some of the access to the internet, you're looking at things like Brave Browser. Sure. So for those of you guys that don't know, Brave Browser is something you can look into. Brave is supposed to be an alternative to like your Google Chrome, yeah. service of the Firefoxes of the world. Many yeah, uses yeah. that still. But um, it's built on Chromium, so it's really similar to Chrome, but its differences are like it blocks like trackers and ads and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And I think and I think Brave essentially has understood the sort of has sort of called out the perverse incentives of some of these advertisers. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that they've essentially been educate you. Like it's your attention that's a commodity, it's yeah. your data. Because the longer you spend attention, the more data that you're generating from yeah. these companies and so it's so cool you can uh, opt into ads and you get their token that they created like a crypto coin called the basic attention token yeah. which is how many ads you want to view that's how you get paid so you're basically getting paid to view ads yeah. but it's optional so and the incentive yeah. there is on the on the individual well, exactly the not on the marketing not on the company, company right yeah. so mm-hmm. i think i think it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool play kit on the psychology because now the user knows that okay i'm, I'm basically putting my money I, i'm using my like in, my money now because right? because mm-hmm. The idea of the attention token is that your time is money, money right? exactly. and so you're giving time to stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> Understand that you're giving time to stupid shit. Exactly. Right? Like, make make sure you know where you're giving your time to, and be in control of who you give your right time to. It. Exactly. So I think this is giving more, it's decentralizing the power. Like mm-hmm. I said, so I think Brave is something to look into, uh, utilizing uh, the incentivization method to help users get better search results and to basically. Uh, not make search results biased or not to manipulate these search results whenever you like search for something. Okay, right? yeah. And then we even have another another third uh, category, which is um, a company, a startup called Ground News. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that um, are constantly interested in uh, being updated on the world's news stories and the world's media stories, Ground News is actually a Chrome extension you can download, but it's a startup that actually has their own media company. They search essentially search the entire world's uh, the entire internet stories mm-hmm. as web crawlers and they actually sort it out into political biases yeah. so how much of a story is particularly right-wing how much of a story is particularly left-wing or even how center, much or center and where the biases are and they'll give you the breakdown of some of the sources they'll list out all those com- media companies and independent media that are reported on this yeah. and give you a list so you actually have the right everything is right over there for you mm-hmm. and i think it's something really good to have in particular because we're living in a more rapid pace. Mm-hmm. News stories are coming out left, right, and center. Exactly. I think if you're gonna if you're getting your news at least still on the internet in terms of a desktop and laptop sort of um, point of view, mm-hmm. it'd be something to kind of download. The ground yeah. news is pretty good to download. Yeah, look into yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. With regards to actually seeing how biased a story is, mm-hmm. and if you if you're willing, as we mentioned last episode, if you're willing to share things on social media with regards to like an issue or something, before you share it, understand like we said context. That's exactly. And I think with context, when you go online, you generally like we said 
some of the issues that big tech people are mentioning, you're going to get certain narratives. And I think with regards to with things like ground news more so, or with Brave Browser, mm-hmm. you're going to get more objective kind of news stories. Yeah. And you're going to get news stories that are supposed to be non-biased, but more so, even if there is bias, at least you're getting a whole entire spectrum mm-hmm. of things to look at. Yeah. So I think it's, it's something to be to be looked into. For sure. Yeah. But let's go back into our recurring segment, the three takeaways. Uh, for this episode, we're going to do a shared three takeaways because there's not a lot of content we went over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, Aries, if you want to start with the first one. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my first, my first uh, takeaway, our first takeaway would be... Uh, with regards to social media, everything that you, as a user of any of these social media platforms, mm-hmm. with regards to a more modern sort of today's uh, issue, is that social media is sometimes often being used to, as we mentioned, bully, yeah. buy, mm-hmm. have a more toxic environment, and sort of create these online communities, right? Yeah. Which is good. Mm-hmm. But with regards to the other things that I mentioned, the toxicity, the bullying, yeah. understand that sometimes if, you, if, if, uh, if you're going to attack someone on social media, or if you're going to share something on social media, or... Is there any sort of um, anything that you're about to do in social media that's generated as a viscerality or something of some sort? Mm-hmm. Um, understand context. I exactly. think with, con- with, with as you mentioned previously, with regards to any story, with regards to any event that happens, or sharing on your story, or sharing a post, or sharing a what is it, a slide? What is that? Uh, what are those things called on Instagram? Yeah, uh, yeah like a highlights. Post, yeah, highlights, like yeah. sharing anything. Make sure that you understand the context of what exactly you're sharing, and mm-hmm. if it's part of an even bigger issue, like some of these news stories, I think uh, I would suggest do your due diligence yeah, exactly. on some of these things. So context matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my our second takeaway was when you use platforms, understand both the advantages and disadvantages. So although platforms allow content creators like us to distribute our message, there's also disadvantages in terms of how we talked about the privacy and the information they gather. So really know what you're getting into and how to really use it to the best case scenario. Yeah. 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 And uh, I guess our final takeaway is the whole instant gratification. So we know that it's addicting to go on like Instagram and everything because of all the incentives that yeah, they we put. We do that too. Yeah. yeah, I do that a lot. We when I, I used to watch TikTok too and I used to be on it for hours along with Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you take that energy and try to uh, couple it into doing something new, learning something new online, even if it's for like 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes away from social media, go use learn same something. To use the same tool, but try to, try to change the system around. Uh, what you're using. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, use that, that gratification that you get, try to get it from another source. Yeah, that it might take longer, but you have, to, yeah. you have to invest more time in it. But I think the, the reward, the end goal, the long-term mm-hmm. and the long-term reward will be much more high right, because exactly. you're shifting your things away from short, short-term gratification to a bit more long, medium to long-term. long-term exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's a good, it's a good, definitely a good way to end. Yeah. And yeah. That's the end of our yeah, episode, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. That's an, that's the end of our episode this week. As, as we mentioned, we're gonna probably go to these next two tracks mm-hmm. of focus: mental health and the whole decentralized, uh, decentralized mm-hmm. social media. And so, like we said again, uh, we're uh, learning ourselves as, as co-hosts. We're like yeah. exploring topics and to break them down for you from, in terms of a Gen Z perspective. Yeah. And we'll continue to bring you guys uh, good quality guests and everything else. Yeah, sort of, yeah, it's fun to research this. And if you guys have any uh, topics you want to hear about, let us know. Yeah, message us, leave comments in the YouTube uh, YouTube videos or just message us on our, any of our social media, tweet at us, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we would love to have more of our audience be a bit more interactive with us on YouTube. For sure. Yeah. I think the, the comment section is always going to be open. There's never going to be a time we're going to like yeah. Or anything, <laughs> considering we're advocates of just people being able to openly say whatever the hell they want to say, like like dislike if you have, if you want to, and to tell us why or tell us like what you, we can improve yeah, on. Exactly. Still. So I was looking for like uh, we're open for that constructive criticism. Constructive yeah. criticism, and also looking for dialogue always. And I think the beautiful thing about um, as we said, online creators and content creators is to create these online communities where people don't have to fear to say things and just. <laughs> have honest discussions because we're, if we want to live in a new world and we don't want it to go haywire, we have to build it ourselves. Exactly. So on that note, I will end it right there. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Cool. Take right. care, guys. We'll see you next time. Sure. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, and share. Check us out for an audio-only experience on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other outlets. Follow us on all of our social media and please consider supporting us on Patreon. All of these links will be in the description. That's it for us today. Welcome to the new world.